Hello, this is another episode of AI, where we have either the excitement about artificial intelligence and machine learning, or we're down by it. So that's why we call it AI. In all languages, you can express AI either to show your excitement or your frustration, your disappointment, or just that you're tired by whatever it is that you're communicating. <laughs> so today we have, I would say all three of us are very excited about AI machine learning. So AI, let's get our guest, Mike Lingle, into the introduction uh, because Mike has some extensive knowledge about technologies and we would like to incorporate AI machine learning conversation into it. Mike? Great. Uh, my name is Mike Lingle, uh, and I'm here on III AI, the podcast. I am excited about AI. Uh, I love technology. Um, I started my career as a software developer. Uh, I've started a bunch of tech startups, done the whole raising money uh, thing. And then for the past decade, a little more than a decade, I've worked with a bunch of other entrepreneurs, helping them launch their businesses with their fundraising. Uh, and I've gone deep into the tech world. I've hung out with a bunch of futurists. Uh, I do a lot of blockchain stuff. Um, and always, I think one of the things with AI and with any technology, there's so much cool stuff that we're going to, that we can do. And that especially so much cool stuff that we can do in the future. But when we're, when we're starting businesses, when we're launching startups, there's always a question of like, what can we do now? Right? Like, how do we succeed now? And that's what I've always tried to do is is hold that vision, right? This is where we're going, uh, and ground it in some kind of reality where we can we can create a business and have that business function today. And with me, I also have my guest uh, co-host. Excuse me, <laughs> Mike Lingo is my guest. Lucky is my co-host. <laughs> Lucky. Yes, sir. Not not much of a host today, but uh, I'll give it a go. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I can't do it. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> that is horrible. Hey, but you know what? I don't mind sounding silly. I'm gonna give it one more go. Ay, ay. I have <laughs> nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> You've been chasing your dog around all day long. Yeah, we can, okay, we so can tell a, just from your voice. <laughs> yeah, a, 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 uh, uh, today is just thank you, Lord. For I, 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 AI. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited. You know, there, there are certain areas of, that I, I, I still don't know enough about. And I'm curious of how it's going to at least roll out or start to develop and how Web 3.0 and how um, AI or machine learning and also how blockchain is going to really affect Web 3.0 and how we understand the Internet. And you, I'm sure you have a unique perspective on that being part of that, at least that area of technology from Web 2.0 and going into 3.0. And I'm curious to say, you know, what, what have you done or what, what have you learned more so from going from the 2.0 to 3.0? Um, I think the 3.0 creates a bunch of possibilities, right? And I think, I think in general, as, as humans, right? we watch technology move quickly and technology probably moves the quickest of anything we see. And that's what creates all these possibilities, right? Mm -hmm. um, things like 
society and culture and laws, those things, you know, those things all infrastructure, those things all move more slowly, right? Culture probably moves uh, relatively quickly, but slower than technology and laws and infrastructure move slowest of all, right? And so there's all kinds of shiny stuff out there with the tech. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think one of the things I've learned is to kind of wait for my opportunities that speak to me and then try to get the timing right. Um, and again, it comes back to like, what's going to happen in the future that we're talking about today versus what can we actually do today? Um, and I'll give a couple examples. So I, 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 AI, uh, self-driving cars, right? Fully self-driving cars. All right. I worked on a project in 2017 where all the futurists told me that next year, self-driving cars were coming next year, right? Now we're in 2022 and full self-driving is farther away than next year. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get in your Tesla uh, and it can do some things really well, right? It can park itself, it can come to you, but there are lots of, there are lots of problems with that, right? So there are cool things we can do today, but full self-driving is not one of them. Um, so that's an example of technology just not being able to keep up. Yeah. An example of timing technology perfectly uh, is Uber, right? We'd all been in taxis and limousines forever. We all had number. I mean, I lived in New York City. I had numbers for black car services, so I could just call mm -hmm. uh, and get a car. Uber came along at exactly the right moment, right? We had iPhones. We had Google Maps, right? We had the ability uh, to replace this system that we were using. And they saw that and used the technology, the right technology, right at the moment, right at the right moment yep. to completely transform an industry. Right. And they just got, they just, they just caught the moment correctly. Um, and they've obviously gotten better since then, right. In the whatever 10, 15 years since Uber launched, we've had all kinds of technical advances, but they were basically able to do what they wanted to do at the beginning and then improve it from there. So, and it goes without saying about the law, because law is what banned Uber in D.C., um, was almost banning, it got Uber shut down in D.C., because D.C. was the primary city where Uber was, uh, you know, originated from. And uh, guess what? Guess what Uber did? You know, reached out to all of its users and said, could you write to your congressman today and tell them not to ban us? <laughs> and literally whoever was opposing Uber was on the uh, one that supported Uber at the end because the constituents reached out and said, yeah, you got to keep Uber running in the city because uh, alternative is not that great. Um, I remember that. I yeah, remember that was that. such a controversy. Yeah. I mean, the controversy hasn't ended with Uber and Airbnb since the day they started. Uh, but the thing is, the alternative is what people look at and said, well, there's got to be an alternative to Uber and Airbnb, maybe, right? Because I think there's some losses happening with Airbnb and the user satisfaction is going down. Uh, Uber user and driver satisfaction is going down. Uh, so so there's lots of talk uh, on these cap cap uh, capabilities that we have today uh, that might bring in a new technology and company around for the next five, 10 years. Who knows? I think Uber has been around for since 2011, so 10 plus years. Uh, who knows how long they will last, right? Um, what one thing that uh, we mentioned is the law and the culture and the technology and the infrastructure. I'm the infrastructure guy. Like I, I am all about infrastructure. And when I hear of blockchain, 
infrastructure is what worries me the most about blockchain. I know there's crypto cryptocurrency and there's all the other technology that's laid on top of blockchain that is shiny and very attractive and very easy for people to discuss. But the infrastructure on bottom of the blockchain is what worries me because, um, look, uh, the, the encryption, right? Very worrisome uh, because we talk about quantum computing, uh, quantum computing being able to break this encryption faster. Uh, the infrastructure, as in the hardware, like we saw the shortages of hardware, the GPUs, the shortage of GPUs, uh, people buying, you know, GPUs not for the reasons of, you know, gaming or video, they're just buying it for processing. And uh, <laughs> these kind of infrastructure worries, the shortages that we've seen for the last two years prominently, but even prior to that, we had shortages because uh, semiconductor chips and things like that are being built overseas, not in US, right? So supply chain has always been an issue that I've looked at very carefully and with some worry, but at the same time, there's some optimistic things that are happening with White House putting out Chips Act, spending $52 billion to have all the chips to be manufactured in the United States so that way we can manufacture and export them overseas uh, for the usage. Um, t- tell us, tell us a little bit more about all the things that you mentioned. I know it doesn't have to be infrastructure-wise. Like, what are you seeing as far as blockchain? It's the society, the law, the infrastructure, the culture. How is that playing out with blockchain in, in your perspective? Um, I mean, if you want to talk about the infrastructure of blockchain, I think uh, just to just to take an example, I think it's really interesting. Like, if you look at Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin was the original digital decentralized currency, right? Like they, that was, they just broke it wide open, right? You could create a trustless system, um, which many have argued is perfect. Others have argued is uh, imperfect because of the energy usage, right? And in fact, uh, what you talked about the quantum computing, right? Quantum computers will be able to crack the encryption. Um, But they created this decentralized digital currency. Right. A few years later, Ethereum came along and what Ethereum added. So if Bitcoin's digital money, what Ethereum added is programmable digital money. Right. So they have smart contracts and that allows you to program intelligence into the money um, so that you don't have to be there watching every transaction. You can trust the money to do what you want it to do based on whatever rules you want to set up. Right. Now, we see all kinds of hacks. Obviously, no system is perfect. Um, and I actually make a joke that lawyers exist for the same reason that software bugs do, right? <laughs> lawyers are there because contracts can't cover every case, right? Whatever, when you're in a relationship, at a business relationship, there's always something someone can do on one side that's not covered in the contract, right? So you need the lawyers and the judges and the legal system to come in and, and figure it out. On the software side, you have bugs, right? No software, softwares are like contracts, software is like contracts, but these are always incomplete systems that don't handle every case, right? So software bugs exist for the same reason. And that means any system is going to be gameable, hackable. It's always going to be incomplete and you're always going to need some kind of moderation to step in or things will break, right? People will lose money. Um, But what I like about Ethereum is not just that it's programmable money, but that the community works hard to keep it updated, right? So with Bitcoin, it's very pure and they're going to stay their path. 
with Ethereum, you see them making big changes over time, right? They completely changed the way the blockchain runs. They completely changed the infrastructure, right? And so when we're thinking about technology, right, what I see is Ethereum modernizing itself, even though it maybe moves slower than we would like, especially if we have Ethereum locked up in the network and we can't unstake it. Um, and Bitcoin is making updates, but they're not... They're not uh, doing the radical changes in order to keep up with the technology. So I'm always a fan of, um, and I think that's part of what comes with blockchain. It's not just infrastructure, but it's also governance, right? And what you're seeing is differences in governance. Like Ethereum has what feels to me like a very vibrant governance and a very active governance versus Bitcoin is much more about let's, let's work as hard as we can to maintain the status quo as long as we can. Yeah, being, being dynamic does not pay off, right? Um, where Ethereum has a longer vision for the smart contract uh, rather than to say, this is just a currency you can bet on, right? I think there's a big difference. And people people that are paying attention, they're recognizing that point because if, if, if the smart contract is what you're based on, how could, you, um, how could you use that smart contract to be a currency? Right. So that way we can actually trust an exchange of whatever it is we're purchasing using Ethereum. Right. Um, I, 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 I would say the use case for AI machine learning here is that amount of data it generates, amount of trust you need with those data generation. Um, machine learning is, is going to be that shining key that is not the encryption but the one that creates the user experience unlike any other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what separates out Uber from a taxi driver, right? Uh, because Uber it, it, Uber in itself is like, for, for, for techies that are listening, they will understand API. But for non-techies, Uber is just layers of APIs, right? Mm-hmm. Uber really didn't create everything from the scratch. They went and got something from Google, something from AWS, something from this website and that website and connected multiple APIs, layers, in order to provide that service. Uh, and and that's how that's how machine learning plays out for blockchain or any blockchain related technology. That if a machine learning is uh, layered in between the services that users are experiencing, which is that uh, let's say the feature of currency, feature of smart contract, whatever it is, you might not see machine learning up front. But machine learning is what's going to provide that user experience, which is very sustainable, very scalable, and the user experience that people want to come back and reutilize rather than to say, one time I'm done because the user experience was so bad, right? So I think machine learning is is highly capable of creating the user experience for any blockchain product, right? Uh, To be able to say like, you know, uh, you you can trust the, 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 the third party on the other side because... As a machine learning, I am giving you the score for that third party. So you can trust that third party with the score number I'm giving them, right? As in, is it 51% or is it 100%? Or what's their utilization rate look like for that third party? And if the utilization rate is high and what was the score like for previous users through reviews, machine learning can provide all these, right? I think machine learning and AI will be... Uh, I think you mentioned a book, which I think I need to read. Um, please make that introduction as well, because like you mentioned blockchain, AI, and uh, uh, Web 3.0 combined will become the future user experience. 
right? Um, and, and that's that's perfect because if you have blockchain to create that smart contract, that transaction, right, which is to be executed, and you have Web 3.0, which is the read part. <laughs> Again, I'm making some Linux reference here, but Linux reference is that read, write, and execute, right? So if if there was a uh, a blockchain that will to that was to execute, or some machine learning is writing it because machine learning is able to do all this writing or mm-hmm. I'm using the writing very vaguely, but mm-hmm. I think you get my point. When you were reading on a Web 3.0, how yeah. do you write that using machine learning and AI? And yeah. how do you execute using a blockchain to build that trust over time mm-hmm. and maintain that trust through machine learning and AI is something to keep an eye out for. Because um, I think that's a big difference between Web 2.0 and Web 3.0 is that, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, web one point uh, web 1.0 you just had to read you couldn't write or execute <laughs> and then web 2.0 you started reading and writing because you started putting comments in and you're mm-hmm. able to plug things in as a user and then uh, web 3.0 is the is the uh, the keyword of the execute as in you're able to execute smart contract through web 3.0 you're able to really experience beyond just reading and writing right you're able to take control over your data as in to say, this is my data from now on. If you want to use it, uh, you got to pay me a penny per usage, <laughs> right? So uh, lots of potential, but I'm going all over the place here just to capture the frame that machine learning will be that middle piece that is able to keep all these things together, right? The user experience for Web 3.0, user experience for that blockchain product, whatever that blockchain product is. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we want to be able to, Capsulate all three of these and say, yeah, what do you want in Web 3.0? What do you want in blockchain, right? And how do you how do you utilize machine learning for that? Um, so I've, I think we talked about blockchain a little bit. So you know, Web 3.0. Uh, let's let's get into that. Lucky. Yeah, Asif, I've I've actually seen, and this is just recent, and I know <laughs> I've talked about this a lot in our in our previous podcast, but it's 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 become a lot more a buzz as as generative generative AI. I don't know if you guys can understand that with my with my voice, but generative AI has become really hot. For the most part, what that is is, and if and for our for our viewers out there, um, you can basically use uh, applications to create your own art, uh, like Mid Journey and Stable Diffusion. But today, I actually was right before this podcast. I was looking up, you know, just what's up, what's new in AI, what's hot, and just trying to see, you know, what's different. And I actually found something. That actually speaks to what we're all talking about. It was a web point, a web 3.0 interface that supported something new. It's called it was voice AI. It's not art AI, but the, basically they can take take samples of your voice, and an AI can make you sound like an angel. Like you, it'll 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 make some kind of song from your voice, and you'll get pitches and sounds that you know that you can't hit. Just like me earlier trying to say I I I AI, I had nothing. Well, the the AI, the generative AI, is it's so nifty because it ties Web 3.0 with artificial generative AI, and then at the end it ties it into an NFT or something that you can convert it to, and it uses Ethereum. Now that you're bringing it up, it uses Ethereum to create the the, the blockchain for whatever art you create. So now all you do is go to a website, you go to hollyplus.com, or actually I don't know the URL, but it's Holly Plus if you look it up, 
and you can just drop a voice sample down and it'll create music from your AI generated music from your voice. And it'll be your voice, one of one. Of course, there will be it, it, the, the AI doesn't use any other. It uses some kind of artificial intelligence and it talks more about the creator of it if you go to it. But that's really interesting that we're talking about it now. And I just see where also you can do the same thing with stable diffusion. And I didn't put it together, but I use stable diffusion to create art, you know, AI art. And so much like mid journey. And so you can suggest like cat dog and all of a sudden you got cat dogs and art. You know, you can suggest um, cat dog and Vincent van Gogh. All of a sudden, Vincent van Gogh is alive, creating new art that, of course, we wish he could create, but the AI does that. And you can also tie that to blockchain. And it's, it's, it's wild how all of a sudden that's now options. It, it, I, didn't, I didn't think we'd be there until, I mean, we're having this conversation. <laughs> I just want to crack a joke here and say, can you generate an image of Metallica, Akon, and T-Pain being really, really mad that they didn't have this technology 20 years ago? <laughs> Yeah. T-Pain and Akon would love yeah. voice AI at this point, and Metallica would love to save their music from Napster. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, some of the generative AI stuff is really cool. Like you just put in a text command and you get a, a full image back. Right. Um, I've been using it. I do a lot of pitch deck work with startups, and I've been starting to use it for some of the slide imagery because I can just get the right image. Yeah. Uh, and some of it looks really, really good. I've been mm -hmm. impressed. Yeah, I've been I think user experience is going to be great with these money-saving methods. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Now it, it, it's there. We're there. You know, blockchain, NFTs, Web 3.0, and now real. It, it, six months ago, we wouldn't be having this discussion about having generative AI and people actually using it. You know, out in the user community, and now it's there, and it's fantastic, and so. I look forward to being able to see how that works. You know, see, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big blockchain person. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a Cardano person. <laughs> so I don't know if that, that means anything, but, you know, Cardano. It's making a comeback. Yeah, I know, right? I, <laughs> uh, Let's do it. You know, I'm a pugilist in life. And so I'm used to taking, you know, some hard punches in the face. And it looks like with Cardano, I took a real hard punch in the wallet. <laughs> I love Cardano and I'm really excited about the technology. But again, you know, you're right. You know, uh, there's certain things about um, Bitcoin and Ethereum changing the way they they um, the way they do business to match and save energy. You know, there's a lot of changes within the, the, the blockchain community. And 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 the one is the gas fees, you know, being able to process things and create art but then not having those those fees on top of what it takes to produce something or make an exchange. And so as long as they start to reduce those, I think it'll become more of a usable technology. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the nice thing about a lot of this stuff is it's free to play with, right? Mm -hmm. um, like Dolly is the one I've been using for the generative art, and they just released a free version that I can that I can play with. Uh, and I can pay more if I want to pay more. Although I can pay in fiat. I haven't tried to pay in crypto yet. Wow. Uh, I used to do a ton of um, audio production uh, and, you know, making beats and song production. So the idea of being able to generate voices on the fly would be awesome. That was always part of the challenge was getting the best out of the artist. But if you can just, you know, sit at home and get the best out of the computer, maybe that, uh, maybe that helps too. It's yeah. at least another tool in the toolbox. 
Well, we, we found out about the AI artist that has been recently um, assigned by Capitol Records. So oh, right. we're not that far off of artists that are AI. Um, it's just the AI will have a master and the master will tell AI to make the music and the master will take it to the record company like Capitol Records and have them release it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it ju- just cannot imagine all the use cases of NFTs and uh, a blockchain technology to secure the income generated by that AI music. Uh, but Web 3.0, tell us a little bit, a little bit about that. Like, what's your take on Web 3.0, and and what sort of blockchain are you looking to incorporate with uh, Web 3.0? Uh, so, really, I mean, I I break. Um, really, I think the core thing about Web 3.0 for me uh, is ownership. Right, like I think that's really what Web three is bringing to the table, um, and that plays out in a bunch of ways. Right, it plays out in a data way, and I think you you mentioned that earlier. Right, there's more control for me over my data in a Web three world. Um, it also plays out in governance. Right, so I can I can have input into decisions that affect the communities I'm involved in and the the projects that that I care about. Right. Um, I may own cryptocurrency. I may own NFTs. I may own other digital artifacts. Um, but it's really that sense of ownership that I think completely changes the interaction. Right. I don't feel a real sense of ownership of Facebook other than my posts. Right. They don't they don't ask me for my opinion on their decisions and they certainly don't let, give me any control of my own data. Right. Sure. So being able to step into a world. Um, where we get that ownership and again, that decentralization, right? Where we can take theoretically some of those middlemen out of the, out of the picture and really create sort of a shared ownership experience, I think is really, is really where the power is. And we're seeing some companies, I forget their name. I think they're called like teleport or teleporter, um, but they're essentially trying to do Uber without Uber uh, on the blockchain. Um, So same service, but without Uber as the as the middleman, oh, without the forty percent charge, right? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> right. I mean, you'll always have the problem with Uber like systems where the drivers will need most of the money, <laughs> um, unless you can raise the unless you can raise the price. I, I think. Uh, look, what Uber needs to do, that's what they do. But when a startup needs to do what they do they will use blockchain technology, which is available through open source, AI machine learning that is almost very cheap to utilize, and Web 3.0 that is being built worldwide, regardless of how Facebook feels or how... I mean, Facebook already has its feelings hurt because Apple is blocking them, right? So Apple is causing all sorts of havoc for Facebook uh, IPOs, Look, um, it's simply a matter of time that somebody in Web 3.0 will come around and say, this is all open source, just like Linux. Go ahead and do what you got to do. Build your Web 3.0, build your blockchain. Uh, The business will happen as usual. It's just that somebody will come and outbid your 40% markup on your services to say, well, what about 40%? How about I charge you one cent per transaction? (laughs) Because if... I have millions of transactions. That's million cents that we make in a day because that's the kind of usage we will have. Those are the kind of user experience we'll be able to provide to somebody who will, instead of drive, driving for Uber, will drive for 
that future Web 3.0 based blockchain based technology. Um, I can see that like waking up in the morning, like it's not even a dream. This is just like literally waking up every morning and saying, where's that guy at? Who's going to, you know, build that next Uber technology. Uh, it's just no teleport. They just raised $9 million. It's built on Solana. Thank you for whoever did that $9 million <laughs> in, in venture capitalism or, you know, however they got it funded. Thank you. Right. Um, isn't that a dream? This is literally about to happen. And I'm so excited about it because this machine learning components are increasing the user experience to the point that you might not need as complex of a system like Uber is. What you will need is a good intention to provide that user experience and scale that user experience and sustain that user experience over time. Because that's what Uber did. Uber created an experience for you rather than say, I'm going to give you the best rate possible, which they did for a while. But when it started raining in Manhattan and they charge you $100 for a ride that usually costs $40, um, well, that, that wasn't such a great user experience, but you get my point is that they had great user experience. It's just that they didn't, they didn't sustain it, uh, for, 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 for the whole duration of it. Right. Um, so the next technology, yeah, whoever gave 9 million to that venture, cap, uh, to that new startup. Oof, thank you. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Apple, I think, and we've been talking about user experience. I, I feel like they're missing some real opportunities just like basic stuff on the iPhone um, where it it's not even machine learning, but I think machine learning would be helpful, right? Like they have a reminders app and the reminders app is like call so-and-so, right? So I call so-and-so and the iPhone doesn't take it off my reminders app. You know what I mean? Like it's not, they're not using my day-to-day data. Apple is not using my day-to-day data in the iPhone to its maximum, right? I mean, that's just sort of a basic example but I feel like they're really dropping the ball in the user experience because, because they're not using what I'm doing to improve my experience and customize my experience, right? I, I, can, I cannot agree with you more, right? Like even, even Siri, you know, I can, I can, okay, you know what? We, we'll talk about Siri from the sense that if the reminder app never existed, it was only Siri and Siri was doing the task and you weren't able to visualize Okay, I made a mistake. I, I just said, okay, I just said Siri and my Siri just came on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, S-I-R-I, right? Trash talking her, man. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> Don't trash talk S-I-R-I when, when I'm in the podcast. Well, well, the point is, if you didn't have that the, the user interface and it was all based on S-I-R-I, right? Yep. Like, that will be a total different exchange and of experience because now it's all based on that voice command. That voice command is taken care of all, right? So let's say, for example, at 12 o'clock, dial this number rather than me dialing it, right? Um, but, you know, SIRI asks you a question. Your voice assistant asks you a question like, hey, do you want to dial the number? Yes, dial it now. So... Whatever Apple is going through, it's not fast enough. I think you mentioned that earlier, that infrastructure is there, the technology is there, yet you are not moving in the fast pace. You are keeping up with your competition, which is that we know Apple is notorious for coming up with technology that's about three years old and calling it a brave innovation. (laughs) And and, it pays the bills for them. But it eventually works out for Apple's behalf somehow. Uh, and, and not to say 
that Apple is falling behind in machine learning, they are using machine learning tremendously. Like if you go to your phone app right now and type in chocolate, which I did the other day, it found every possible things that are chocolate. And I was like, okay, that's good. That's one step, you know, in a, in a, in a progressive way of getting into the machine learning. Um, but machine learning has so many capabilities, but the cost of it, right, I think is what holds a lot of the companies back, right? Uh, opposite of Apple would be Google. They're using machine learning for every single thing, even, even as a failed product. If you don't have machine learning in it, don't talk about it, right? And and, and because Google is such a data uh, a generating uh, a company that they, they, they don't consider anything that is useful without machine learning. Like Because machine learning is the ultimate giveaway of how you will scale that product and how you'll be able to sustain that product over time. Where Apple doesn't do it, um, then I'm thinking of privacy. Maybe Apple has some privacy issues, so I try to defend Apple on that matter. But at the same time, Apple just isn't moving as fast as Google is because Google has that dynamic... Uh, presentation of itself is like we're a data company and we, we do everything with machine learning, which I love it. Like because you know they're doing a hell of a lot with TensorFlow and providing machine learning for users for free. This experience that Google is bringing to the table, I love it. Right, um, but Apple back to the user interface uh, with a reminder. I mean, you can just go on to talk about Apple being what it is today. In the future, you really have just a a headset and a speaker, <laughs> no device whatsoever, no infrastructure. It's just that you're looking at it and you're talking into it and that you're not buying an Apple phone, you're buying Siri. Oh, let's see. S-I-R-I as a service, a voice assistant as a service, rather than to just buy a full hardware that you have to replace every year, right? You can upgrade and pay for that upgrade to say like, you know, S-I-R-I Web 2.0, you know, excuse me, not Web 2.0, but the version 2.0, uh, you, you'll buy that every year rather than to buy a phone actually. Um, oh, I think only reason you will still need the hardware is because of taking pictures or something to do with cameras and something to do with, you know, other matrix that you use like NFC on your phone, right? Um, you want to pay with your phone, you can't really pay over a voice which would be actually cool if the voice was your biometrics that allows you to purchase things, <laughs> which I'm like, all right, that's that's not five years down the road. That's maybe 10, 20 years down the road. Um, because that's the possibility that voice can authenticate uh, without with, with almost 99% accuracy that it is you that's authorizing the purchase. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to have like Apple be that fast as Google with everything machine learning, everything is AI based. Um, but I think Apple is a slow mover in this case. I mean, you really see the difference. Like if I go to my photos app on the iPhone, um, you really see the difference. Like they can't bring the search back properly, right? Like they only bring back a subset of the images with whatever search term I put in, whereas Google is much better, right? At, at sorting through whatever, 10,000 photos and coming back with the correct 30 of them. And, and that's that training, right? That's the training that Google does that Apple, I believe Apple is very slow to react. Um, it, it could be a trillion dollar industry, but they're not the fastest moving industry. <laughs> you make a lot of money, so you can't, you can't, uh, you can't be mad at them. You can't, you can't risk it sometime either, right? Because what, where Google has privacy issues, Apple's don't, right? Apple has that customer trust that they have built through these products and, and look, I, I'm, I'm making the case for Apple's, like as in Apple's defense, but at the same time, on my other side of my argument, I'm thinking to myself, like, maybe they're just that slow. 
<laughs> right. They don't really care about privacy. They just care more about like maybe not spend the money and, you know, make more this quarter rather than uh, have more income down the future, right? Like, because I think anybody who's using machine learning, it's going to cost a lot today. And it has to cost a lot today for you to make more money down the road, right? Um, and I'm saying money as in revenue, right? Uh, for, for Apple, it's revenue. But for any investor, it, it's just the money. You, you invest money into any machine learning today. If it's set up right, it will generate more than what any other technology in the future will. And I'm, I'm advocating for that. I'm advocating for the fact that machine learning, if you're not utilizing it, you're just wasting data, you're collecting data, or you're just not even seeing data, right? Because there's tremendous amount of data that machine learning can capture. And if you train the machine properly, you can utilize those data properly. You can have better usage of those data. But if you don't, and if today you're sitting there thinking like, oh, it costs too much money, like Apple is probably thinking, um, I think that's the wrong decision to make. I don't think that's the best move for Apple. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with any of these things, and this is what I was talking about at the beginning, I think you really have to get your revenue model right um, because it's not the technology that makes things successful, right? The technology is an ingredient into a successful business. Apple doesn't necessarily have the best technology, but it's they are arguably one of the most, I mean, one of the most successful companies any of us have ever seen. Right. Because they get the business piece right now, they're using technology to drive that business, but their choices in how they proceed and what they prioritize are based around the business, not purely around the tech. Right. And they they are just incredibly successful from a business perspective, regardless of whether their image search feature works as well as someone else's image search feature. Right. Look, I've got to give it up to Google for not selling hardwares over and over. Rather, they're selling the software, right? If you bought on a Google phone three years ago, um, your camera does better today than it did three years ago without ever changing hardware. Because all they did is push a new software into the Google phone, and that Google phone captures better images using that three-year-old hardware. Where best-selling Apple every year is that, oh, this this... This one has three lenses, so this one is the latest Apple, and uh, this three lens catches from I don't know, like two different angles more than what it used to. <laughs> like you're just keep doing hardware over and over. That's not gonna get you much into the future because, like, like I talk about infrastructure. I want to go back to that point of you cannot keep developing more hardware because you're not recycling enough. Because recycling is one of the hardest thing you can do actually, and it's not solved yet how to recycle. So the hardware that you are able to access today and build today will not be available here in 10 years because uh, the, the, the resource you need from, um, um, from the earth is, is not there anymore, right? 10 years, 15 years, however long it takes to get to that point. You want to be software-based. You want to be totally about coding and programming and machine learning and data Um Rather than to say, you know, how do I keep making hardware every year instead of improving my software, right? I think bad model for a- anybody involved, right? Um, goodness, I can go on talking about supply chain planning all day long, the disruption in it, the bad management, there's this geopolitics that happens when you have to talk about Taiwan making your semiconductor chips, yet China could block you at any time to disrupt your semiconductor chips that are coming into the manufacturing shop floor, 
uh, we, we can talk about it all day long. Um, but, but one of the great assets that we have as a, as a North American country is that we are, we are very invested into software. So for us to go back and say like, oh, we, are, we want to be hardware-based, it, it, it's not going to work. I think we've been, Silicon Valley is the representative of all, what a software can do. We need to do more of software. And, and the software development it hits a ceiling when it comes to coding and programming after a while, right? So what do you do with, when coding and programming is not taking uh, uh, the, all, the, all the necessary uh, actions it's supposed to take? You add machine learning to that. Right. Um, once once we come to that conclusion that, you know, hardware is not the answer, like, you know, Apple keeps selling us hardware and over and over where Google is like, yeah, I sold you the same hardware three years ago. I'm just going to reuse it over and over. Right. Um, with software updates. And it works perfect. It per- works great. You know, the user experience has increased because you've saved over three thousand dollars by not buying a new phone every year. You bought one Google phone and it works great three years later, you know? Who could beat that kind of user experience, you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of amazing stuff accomplished with uh, software, but it does take hardware to run the new software, especially when you start running uh, uh, processor-intensive tasks like machine learning and AI. Um, so, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I think... Hardware will decrease in size. There will be less uh, less of a hardware, as in the IoT device within your home. Um, the small IoT devices around your home will talk to your IoT device that is currently your phone, right? Um, to have a phone that is able to interact using machine learning technology with your IoT devices in your home, it, it will it will it will do more with less of a hardware, right? As in uh, the semiconductor chips that we're developing right now, they are performing to a level that, you know, of course, uh, better than last generation. But with each generation, they will provide more services from a smaller device. I think that's what Apple needs to focus on or anybody who's thinking of like, you know, how do I create this hardware? Uh, They will have to say like the supply chain of that hardware, where do I get the parts from? And if I cannot secure it, how do I build it in home, like within 50 states, uh, within the border of the United States, and and have it with least amount of hardware, but just based on some semiconductor chips and internet and very least amount of wiring, right? Um, how do I how do I incorporate that with the rest of the IoTs that are already available? All the other hardwares, right? How do I get them to talk? So. I, yeah, look, I'm not looking to see like the days where we don't have hardware at all, right? Only thing I ask though is that there's no more cable to charge the phones with. <laughs> that, is like... the last, that is the last cable tethering us to the earth, man. That <laughs> wireless wireless electricity is coming. <laughs> the human race, the human race needs to solve that one. Like we need to fix it in this generation. So the next generation, like you used to have cables, so they like look at us and That's laugh right. at us, right? right. Like we, we used to have solve. cables. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just one of those guys that hold on to the old stuff, man. I, I really want to be somehow tethered. <laughs> I want to be grounded somehow. I, as much as I want to believe that, you know, being wireless is great, I understand that the wireless technology, there's, it's only half as fast. You know what I mean? But the reality true. is, that is you know, you, you, and so I, I, think that, I think that it'd be nice. You know, there's a lot of opportunity there. It's, it's great having the wireless technologies 
but I'm just old school. I, I, I'd, I'd wish that we still had a rotary phone. That's where I'm at. I, I like the challenge of hitting nine. And then watching that roll until it gets to the actual nine before I can hit it again. <laughs> so I, I yeah. found it so funny the other day. I'm watching a show. Um, I think it's like uh, uh, Del Toro's Scary Stories. And one of the scenes, they did not even show the phone. They just made the noise of what a rotary phone makes noise. They probably couldn't find a prop to put it on the screen. So they just made that click, 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 click noise. There's some funny videos on YouTube of like people handing rotary phones to kids and the kids trying to figure out like how the thing works and no one understands it. They're trying to talk to it or... You know, I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to run soon, yeah. Uh, because I got to hang out with the actual kids in real life. Before they, <laughs> fair enough, fair before, they, before they, uh, you know, before they start screaming and calling for you, right? Yeah, like, um, Dad's, Dad's talking to his computer again. Yeah. Well, one, more, one more thing, just as a, another story, kind of leading on what you just left off on. I, I I went to the gym, and I brought this story up once before, and I and I and I, I left my phone at home, and so. I went to my car and my car wouldn't start because I drive an older vehicle and the battery, I never drive it. So the battery was out. So I was, had enough battery to get to the gym. I come back. It doesn't want to turn on. So I asked the guy up front as a kid, Hey, can I use your phone? And he says, yeah, sure. Uh, and I said, um, do I dial nine to get out? And he looked at me. I, I don't know. I've never used the phone. I don't know how to use it. It's great. He didn't know how to use a phone. A 16-year-old didn't know what nine to get an outside line was. That's wow. fantastic. That's, yeah. That always to be a standard question anywhere you went to the office, right? Any new job you started, like, do I dial nine to get out? <laughs> yeah. It, it was just, but he's working the front desk. So at the end of the day, I was like, wow, that's where, that's where we are. We've given up our brains to technology. Right. And Amazing. it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. Uh, look, uh, again, just to reiterate, uh, hardware, Love it, but there's not enough of them to go around. I think there's more demand for it worldwide. Uh, again, advocating for Web 3.0, so that way when people are interacting in the uh, next generation, um, they are not experiencing what we've experienced in Web 2.0 and Web 1.0. Um, I just want to say that as a digital immigrant, because uh, you know the next generation will be digital native, right? Right. Um, I had to adapt to digital uh, system. Um, Lucky did, and I know Mike did. So as a digital immigrant, I would say uh, it's for us to kind of bring that awareness for the digital natives to be aware of these kind of uh, uh, lack of perspective, right? So we bring that perspective as digital immigrants for the digital natives, like my son or your son and lucky son, right? Um, it's, It's important that we also bring up the next generation of technology, what are the possibilities? So that way, whoever is investing money into this next Uber uh, or whoever is investing money into the next startup that will replace Airbnb or even Apple, who knows, right? (laughs) Uh, They understand that, you know, look, you got Web 3.0, somebody else will build it. Blockchain, somebody else can you know help you build it. But machine learning is your duty. Like as in, that is something that you have to know from the scratch, from the bottom, because that's what's going to create your user experience that much faster and that much more scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to throw that out there because a lot of people are seeing blockchain as a conversation, but machine learning is not part of the conversation as much, right? Because machine learning is kind of like layered under all the other layers uh, of the complexity, like APIs, blockchain, you know, Web 3.0. 
um, all the words that comes in and there's like, where's machine learning, you know? Um, and, and I guess the joke is like at the end of the conversation, they always throw out machine learning just to end the conversation. <laughs> They're like, we're going to add machine learning to that. Uh, how? Oh, well, hang up the call because we don't know how. <laughs> A lot of buzzwords. <laughs> um, so I'm still excited. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> What do you say, Mike? Uh, how are you feeling? Aye, 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 aye. Oh, he raised his hands up and he went for it. <laughs> oh, he did it. And he, he, I felt it. And I, unfortunately, <laughs> I can't match the energy. Aye, but, aye, aye, brother. Good job. <laughs> so, Mike, um, any, any departing word, any departing thoughts uh, for you? I, I mean, again, the favorite thing for me as a as someone who helps startups and launches my own startups is finding that intersection, right? Uh, and we were talking about the the book, The Future is Faster Than You Think by Peter Diamandis. There's an intersection of technologies, right? So we've been talking about Web3 and AI and machine learning, right? The intersection there creates lots of opportunities. I think there's an also, also an intersection between the future and today, right? So we can get all excited about this technology, but if we want to build a business today, it has to be grounded in reality, but we don't want to lose sight of how cool the future is going to be, right? Absolutely. So the business today is a path to get to that future state that we know we're going to get to. And so, I don't know, it's always like a, a balance for me. <laughs> well said. Lucky. Well said. Thank you for today uh, being part of our, our podcast and Thank you for educating us today. Yeah, it's great to talk to you guys. These are always, I, I, this was great. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, looking forward to the next chapter and we'll have to do more of these so we can keep up with Web 3.0 and blockchain. Thank you so much. Awesome, perfect. Perfect.